our bodies talk to us, but are we really listening? Because if we were listening, I think we'd solve things sooner than we end up solving them. Now, I've learned to listen, and today we want to try to figure out how to help you guys learn to listen. So, learn from our mistakes. Hello, wellness warriors. Welcome to mind-blowing health and wellness with Violet, Pat Chat Edition. I'm Violet. And I'm Pat. Obviously, today we're talking about listening to your body. The first sign for me uh, that was that my body was talking to me and I didn't really listen was the fatigue. At, at some point before I started doing low carb keto, at first I was keto, uh, there was a lot of fatigue happening with me, like in meeting after lunch at work, uh, evenings, basically I became a napping machine. <laughs> I was sleeping all the time. We're telling us reasons that it's normal or we are avoiding problems for for the fatigue for me was like oh it's normal i must be lacking sleep or oh i'm just gonna get another coffee to try to boost me up a little bit so that was like a early sign my body was telling me something and i didn't listen you know it's funny because you say getting a coffee or whatever i wasn't a coffee drinker before i met you and so i do remember getting tired and falling asleep it never occurred to me because again i'm i'm a night owl mm -hmm. so if you're up all night and then you fall asleep during the day. It seems normal that you'd fall asleep during the day, but it's also like, why am I up all night? I feel like the other thing is that when your body is out of sync with everything that's happening around. So again, I don't know how much of this is just like not being in a good pattern because you're not eating properly. So then you're not yeah. like, you know, so, but, but I do sure. remember being tired. Yeah. But for sure, after I started keto, all my sleepiness, especially in the afternoon, disappeared. Like actually even the more I fasted, the better I, I was like doing my afternoon meetings, like being all uh, all cranked up and all like uh, alert. That was a, a, good, a, a good improvement. Well, that's one of the things that we learned about keto though, right? Is that when you, so through doing keto, you eat less and then through eating less, you start to see the pattern where when my body doesn't get food, my energy ramps up and that's mm. the natural biological result of if you were actually hungry out in the world because you haven't eaten your body would give you energy to go catch something mm. so like that's i'm glad that you actually saw that connection happen there and we're not talking about maybe some of you have insomnia or difficulty sleeping that might be related to to your food but i was like sleeping normally maybe i was getting like to bed at, on at a late ish side but having six seven hours of sleep and still falling asleep like in the afternoon and, and it was noticeable after lunch like i ate something like had it a little down even supper i ate something like i had my supper had a little down it's interesting that you mentioned insomnia because i do feel like sometimes people's insomnia is related to worries and worries cause cortisol mm -hmm. which causes influx of sugar so it's like one of those situations where i'm not sleeping because i'm all hyped up and i have all this eh happening too sometimes so yeah I, I couldn't see where eating the wrong foods could be contributing to people having insomnia you know when i, when I was looking at this topic signs that your body isn't functioning or signs that your body is trying to tell you something the funny thing to me is that the signs that you're gonna get will depend on what you're paying attention to too. So your body could be giving you all kinds of signs. Like, you know, my body was actually giving me signals that I didn't know were signals. And then it was giving me inflammation, which I absolutely knew was a problem. I didn't know that it meant I was eating wrong. What I knew was that I had inflammation. So 
what I knew was I had pain in my knees, pain in my elbows, pain, like I had a bunch of joint pains. I mistakenly attributed to sports because I did do a lot of sports. But like looking back on it, my inflammation problems started back in my early 20s. If I would have known back then, obviously that my body was trying to tell me something, clearly you would have, I would have done differently. I say that even though when my body's signals were interpreted by doctors, I didn't always get the right answers. So that's a whole other story. But in this case is like, for sure, inflammation, so pain in my body, I was getting that signal 100%. How did you decide to ignore those signals? I, not that I felt like I was like, ignoring them though, because I was attributing them to sports. Oh, well, you learned to live with them, actually. Sure, it, it was live yeah. with them or don't do the sport, Yeah. right? And I feel like, so there's this thing that we do because we want to do something, we kind of allow ourselves to get used to how we feel. Is that the best thing to yeah. do? Because I remember uh, oftentimes, especially at the beginning before we work keto, you actually were telling me, oh, I'm always in pain. So like, let's go, let's go do something. Let's go do board. Anyway, it won't change anything. I'm, I'm always like uh, feeling pain. So yeah, I mean, I did have an attitude of, well, if it's going to hurt me anyway, mm. my models would just run my body into the ground. And like, that was actually a thought I had. I'm in pain. I might as well just sure. run my body into the ground till it can't do anything else because I thought there was no other option. Like, obviously today I know there was another option, yeah. right? But these are things you learn in the journey. <laughs> I, I think the other thing that's interesting is that when I met you, um, I had already started going to a chiropractor, which I still do till today. I still go because I feel better after I go. So even though weird even though I'm not walking around in pain all the time what I've learned from going to the chiropractor is that your body is constantly being put out of alignment just because again of all the sports I do and all the falling that I do so like when you fall you get out of alignment and then of course just being put back into alignment it feels good and it fe but so it's weird it feels good not that there was pain there to start with but it just kind of feels better mm -hmm. Well, right now you you're not feeling any more inflammation like in, you're not as inflamed as before you don't have any joint pain you still go to the to the carol right like that, that's what you just said you i go... don't have any joint pain so i go to the chiropractor because well, part, part, partially because part of my routine now mm -hmm. to go to the chiropractor <laughs> but like also i do like the adjustments mm -hmm. but and i i do imagine that if i would not go for extended period of times with all the falls that i live probably eventually i would have some kind of pain mm -hmm. because Right? If I'm having all these falls and I'm never getting put back into alignment, I'm going to imagine that pain would happen. But this is that thing of like, am I doing something preventative or am I doing something reparative? The chiro for me right now is preventative. It keeps me from getting into a bad situation, right? Eating well is preventative. It keeps the inflammation at bay, right? Like, or, or not even, is it at bay or is it not there? I don't know. Yeah. But like eating well, like I don't feel inflamed. So then going to the Cairo is just a nice, well, it's not quite a massage, but <laughs> it feels nice. Yeah. A big sign that happened to me a couple times in my life after early 20s, the weight. I think you're ignoring to uh, up to a certain point where like you look at yourself and you like, okay, what's happening right now? You step on the scale and what's happening right now? Thing is like, as we learned in the past, uh, you just like move more, eat less, and we know that doesn't work. So a good sign that your body is telling you something, if, you, if you're gaining weight, if you're putting more fat, like that's a good sign that your body is telling you something. That's a great sign, I think, for most people that your body is telling you something. Depending 
on the world that you come from, so Caribbean world, like weight is seen interestingly. Like a lot of the images that we have here in Canada about what's an ideal weight compared to images in the Caribbean of what's not is not the same. So I will say that for me, the weight, although I think it's actually an indicator of your body trying to talk to you, was not something that I saw as an indicator. Like I said, I saw my pain as an indicator, but my weight, it just seemed like that's just what people weigh. And it was just like, that was the idea. So I agree. Is it, isn't that culture image a way to avoid addressing the problem or even like seeing that there's a problem with like with our health? Well, actually, I'm going to say no, no? to that. Okay. To that. Why? Because I feel like it's a matter of culturally what's seen as important or not. So the idea that everyone should look a certain way isn't existing over there. So they're accepting whatever weight you happen to be. And as a matter of fact, there's a lean towards heavier being healthier. Mm -hmm. I do feel though that that's a misunderstanding in that sense, but I don't think it's a cover up. I think it's just a different way of, of seeing okay, things, yeah. right? I feel like that's just not a vanity metric that they have in that, in that sense over there. That being said, with one foot in the Canadian world, one foot in the, the Caribbean world, it's like it, it didn't, it wasn't a red flag for me initially. And as a matter of fact, and you, you lived that journey with me that I got to a certain weight and I actually didn't like myself and I, I purposefully put gain, gain weight back on. So this is not where I landed doing keto. I pushed myself back to this because I didn't like where I landed. Right. So and I feel like this is an interesting thing of like we have a, an idea of what we're supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so then I go back to, is there one specific ideal weight? Like if you weigh the if you're this tall, you're supposed to be this way. And I don't think that's the reality. I think people are going to a fall in that in a range. But then B, there's also what I like myself to look like. All that being said, eating normally now and just eating naturally now, this is where I managed to stay. Right. And if I would like only eat the fat that came along with my food, so with the meat that I was eating, I wouldn't be able to maintain this, which is interesting. But I don't do this with carbs. No. Right. So I maintain this little bit of extra weight with fat. Purposefully. What do you mean, like, what do you mean? Uh, okay. You, you're, you're saying a little bit of extra weight. I'm curious about that. So this is not where Because my body naturally stays. No? If I, uh, okay. if I strictly eat 20 grams of carbs or less, eat the satiation okay. and okay. don't add any extra fat. Okay. okay my okay. body falls less than this, okay. but then I feel uncomfortable. Okay. Okay. So this is a good, a good thing to keep in mind. Like you also need to listen to what's comfortable to you, I guess. Like your body, your body is telling you something, but you also need to be where you're comfortable but not without avoiding a problem like he, 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 my, yeah my because i'm is, still i'm still within the normal range for someone of my height yeah my weight. Yeah, yeah because like i don't know i'm just gonna throw a number like if you weigh 300 pounds and you're comfortable with that like isn't it again a way to not addressing the problem yeah okay so 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 i'm I, and again i'm not saying this is a way to not address the problem if i'm 300 pounds and i'm comfortable at 300 pounds it might just be that I'm comfortable at that weight. For example, mm -hmm. sumo wrestlers are at high weights and they're comfortable. Yeah. That's, that's part of what they do, right? They, they yeah. bulk up and, and do that on purpose. I'm not judging. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting right now and what I'm talking about is when I did my, the weight loss portion of what I was doing and like 
just eating normally, naturally, like stopping when I'm so eating 20 grams of carbs or less, stopping to eat when I'm satiated, only eat like when I did that, I felt to a weight that was I'm going to if I remember correctly, like maybe 15 ish pounds less than what I was aiming at originally. Mm. And then when I got there and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Mm. And it wasn't loose skin reason. It was in clothes. Don't like it. Like mm -hmm. in my clothes, mm -hmm. I yeah. didn't like it. I was too skinny. Like my face, I didn't. Face. I didn't like. <laughs> Very face. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like. So then I put back a bit, and then I I felt sort of like now I'm at a weight that currently that is not. It's still not the original goal, but it's not 15 under, and I feel more comfortable. Okay. So and it's not hard for me to maintain, like eating a little teeny touch more fat on. So if I'm putting salad dressing on my salad, like I put a little mm -hmm. bit extra. Or if I'm if I'm you know like just. You know, when I eat a pork chop, okay, well, I actually eat the fat, right? Like, mm -hmm. just making sure that I have that little teeny bit extra fats. And if I make a coffee that I might add some fat to my, like, just that little bit extra to keep me not get, not losing, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. I think it's the same thing, the same thing for me. I really never wanted to weigh, like, 150 pounds. Like, I think my, my frame, I would look a little bit weird with that. But question is even no low carb I'm, I'm stable and i'm i'm happy like where i am uh my blood pressure could be a little bit lower probably still my question was more like how do you balance where you where you feel comfortable at versus all the other health problem that could occur if not right now in five years seven years okay. so like, for me i think the point that i'm still trying to make and maybe this is where you're getting confused I'm still within the normal healthy range. Okay. So I'm not above okay. what, so in, I'm not overweight or obese, like I'm not above hmm. a normal healthy range. I'm actually still lower than the top part of my healthy range versus like if you're talking to someone and they're still above their normal healthy range, then okay. you saying, but I like this is like, okay, then I could see where you're saying, well, are you just giving yourself an excuse? Because if you're telling me that you're still above your normal healthy range, but you've decided to stop there because whatever, hmm. then I would say to you, okay, come on, like, yeah. like at least okay. get to your healthy range. So that's the different conversation that we're okay. having here, healthy right? Okay, healthy range according to... So, th and this is, again, we're talking about doctors, right? Like okay. there's, a, there's a range that the doctors say, like if you're between this and this, like your, meta your chance of metabolic issues is less. Okay. Right? Now, like I said, like me at the lower end of my healthy range, like I didn't like that look, hmm. right? It doesn't mean that if I would have stayed there that any doctor would have looked at me and said, oh my gosh, she's anorexic. No, it was hmm. just me personally, eh, not so interested in looking like that. Okay. Now, would I have stayed 20 pounds above my healthy? No, I wouldn't have done that either. That's not logical, right? Yeah. What's the point of being healthy, but keeping myself outside the range of what doctors are telling you is healthy. Okay. So. Like currently I'm living at a weight that according to all the research and doctors and whatever, like I'm good. Hmm. There's okay. no, there's nothing for me to change. Right okay. now. Does it mean that I would never go down a bit or go up a bit? Like again, we can't, we can't um, guarantee that because every day I eat differently. Hmm. Okay. This is part of the reason I step on a scale every once in a while, yeah. just to verify like where am I and whatever. Right. Okay. So if you're doing a healthy diet the keto diet it's less probable that you're going to be overweight like your body is going to stabilize where it should be comfortable at i wouldn't say that you can't be overweight doing keto but i would agree with you that the likelihood that you're going to be overweight doing healthy keto less likely okay. right 
And so this is, again comes back to paying attention to what you're doing. Mm. Because the same way that it's very easy to get into a, a routine of eating a certain way and your weight is kind of going down because your body is doing what it's going to do and it's going to use the energy that's on board if you're not giving it um, carbohydrates and it's, it's going to do all the right things. And seriously, I don't think I would have gotten down to a weight where medically I would have been in trouble because mm -hmm. I was eating and I was eating every day. And as everybody who watches this channel knows, I was eating about 2,000-ish calories per day, which when I was dieting, back in the day dieting, mm -hmm. like if I was eating like 1,400, <laughs> that was like a... So like I was eating 2,000, sometimes even 3,000, depending on the meal. Like I wasn't caring about the calories that I was eating, yeah. right? just to put this in perspective in terms of how much food. Mm. But the only thing I was caring about was how many carbs were on my plate. So do I believe that I would have ever gotten down to a weight that was dangerously low for me? No, I don't think that that was ever gonna happen. The thing is, there's a difference between how much you weigh that's healthy, like your body is, is comfortable doing and whatever, and how you think you look at a certain yeah, way. Yeah. And this is just, again, Caribbean, yeah. like, all the Caribbean people out there, I know you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And then everybody else, just believe me that, that this is it's a thing. Yeah. So I want people though, like don't, and I see, I see where you're going. Don't yeah. try to fool yourself into saying I'm a hundred pounds overweight, but that's not a big deal because I like it when you're having metabolic issues pop up. Yeah. Like I would, if I had metabolic issues happening a hundred percent, I would continue to put the weight where the doctors were telling me it needs to be. Hmm. The thing is, there aren't any metabolic issues and I'm not maintaining this through carbohydrates, yeah. right? This is the other piece of the puzzle. I'm not maintaining this through carbohydrates. So for sure weight is uh, a sign that your body is talking to us, but instead of, look, uh, of working towards a weight goal, maybe just work towards your ratio, waist, height. And, and there's other like uh, clues that might like help you to 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 get to a healthier state with your yeah with your weight that and the ratio he's talking about is 50 percent. so when your height to waist ratio is 50 percent, hmm. um the doctors again agree that metabolically you're, you should be doing well <laughs> okay so the other way that you can tell that your body is trying to tell you something is through the foods that you find yourself chasing and so this is kind of a backwards one because there's two different situations that I know that I personally lived where looking back on it, if I was actually allowing myself to understand that this is my, this is my brain body trying to get me to see something that's happening. Part one, when I was hungry, the first thing that I would think about was chocolate. And so imagine the scenario, because if I'm actually hungry and then allow myself to eat chocolate, how much chocolate am I going to eat, right? Mm. So now I'm eating excessive amounts of chocolate. But then there's this other scenario that I realized, like, so looking at my life also was happening where I wasn't actually hungry, but I would get this, like, signal to go get chocolate. Mm -hmm. And that was a pure craving that was coming out of addiction, right? Mm. So, I, I mean, today I know that. Like, why was it that my brain was telling me, Violet, you need chocolate? And think about this. Today, I never get that signal. And as a matter of fact, I will say today, I don't get any signals about what to eat. 
I get hungry or not hungry. <laughs> But I don't get like, oh, I want X. Like, I never, I usually feel hungry. And then I'm like, oh, what am I having for supper? That's like what happens today. So I feel like the big thing here is that if you're getting cravings at all, it seems that that's your addiction system that's coming on. Because like I said, I'm hungry today. I do get hungry. Never is there a food in the sentence in my, like that's happening in my brain. Mm whether it's not even get a steak it's it's not that at all it's like it's never there's never a food attached it's just like bing 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 you're hungry period okay so i don't know if you've noticed that yeah. but like for me it's like so obvious yeah versus and when i was in your car in the carb world there would always be a food attached yeah. but you were craving a specific food like it was mostly chocolate for me oh. it was more like craving it was a craving associated with something else so watching tv i needed to eat something uh like i did really that association where uh if i was like watching a tv show at night before going to bed i needed something to eat and whatever it was like chips or chocolate or square dates or a dessert or piece of cake it was something sweet obviously but like it was associated with like uh something i was doing and i think this goes back to what i was saying too like so when i was not hungry but then having this craving to eat something like that's going back to this whole self-soothing thing. Yeah. Why am I actually eating right now? So my brain is sending me the signal. Am I bored? Am I upset? Am I happy? Am I So all these different things that we associate with a pleasure or getting away from a pain, and then we end up eating something, yeah. right? And I do think that, again, it's like, if I don't start to realize that I'm letting myself eat to solve something that's not about fuel and energy and building my body i will keep doing that right and like there isn't really another scenario where we would do that like if you think about it like i'm not talking emotional right like the truth is if you were working in the garden and got a big gash across your arm you wouldn't go inside and get a chocolate bar but yet if i get emotionally hurt by you i'm gonna go and get a chocolate bar because it's an emotional ouch and I can't just put something on it. So then I try to eat. So I'm getting that soothing, but internal in the brain, right? That dopamine rush, that all those endorph, all that chemical stuff that's going to happen in my head to momentarily help me to feel better. But in the long term, it's not doing what it's supposed to. But you're talking about an emotional ouch. What about like you you go to the movie? It's not an ouch. You go to the movies like popcorn and chocolate and you fill yourself even when you're not hungry. It can be also a positive emotion or an association. You know what's funny to me? I feel like we are so used to giving ourselves reasons that we don't see the reasons when they're right there. The emotional ouch of going into the movie theater and not buying the popcorn is I want to be like everybody else. And if I don't have popcorn, I'm not like it. And there's the emotional ouch that's happening. Because the truth is, if you're not hungry, why are you buying popcorn? Hmm. And if you're hungry, why are you going to the theater? So eat, no matter where you come at that from, right? The emotional ouch is that I want to be like everybody else. Okay. Because like it's doable, right, guys? If you like going to the movies, maybe in my, it's maybe a bit more difficult right now. But like we started going to the movies and we never bought popcorn anymore. You're gonna save like a few dollars, put back in your pocket. So I think that there's a lot to be said for like allowing yourself to just do what makes sense, mm. 
And what makes sense is eating when you're hungry. What makes sense is eating for fuel and building your body. What makes sense is if I'm not hungry, why am I eating? And when you start thinking like that, all of a sudden, these other things that you're doing, you start to see where, gosh, I was doing that because everybody else does it. And I want to be like everybody else. And why is that a thing? Another sign that my body was telling me something and I didn't listen was my skin. Like if, if you guys, for me it was skin, skin tags, but if you guys have like, I've heard like eczema can be related to sugar, uh, skin tags, uh, it's a good sign of an insulin imbalance. What did I do about that? Like watch videos about how to get rid of them. <laughs> That's like when the, the answer is like way more simple than, than what like you will see on our YouTube videos on how to get like uh, rid of your skin tags. But like uh, those are a good sign that you, you're in danger, maybe in dangerous territory with uh, pre-diabetes, I think. I don't and know then, if it can, can go like to there, but like... Of course, because so, yeah. if you have skin tags, that is actually a right. sign that you're overeating sugar. Like, mm. that's the reason they happen for some reason. Mm. I'm not really sure. But again, the funny thing about your skin, to keep in mind, is that your skin is another place where your body can release toxins, right? Mm. You sweat, and that's a, ex a an excretion point, right? So urine, feces, and sweat. And one of the things that I find interesting is with the eczema, right? And like all these different ways that our body is telling us not just about sugar but also about things that we're eating like so the more acidic your foods are the more your eczema acts up okay. which is again it comes back to this so it's weird like not that i think that acidic foods are bad because i don't think that's what it is but i think that in combination with overdoing your sugar and then so there's certain things that are happening that ends up playing itself out with acne playing itself out with eczema psoriasis skin tags like all these things where you're again your body is trying to show you hello something's not working uh, yeah. here and if we allow ourselves to listen then we can definitely solve mm. but if we don't allow ourselves to, to listen then well we end up living a lot of difficult situations where we're uncomfortable and we're not happy with ourselves and we're constantly buying creams and potions and whatever and like if i put something topical on my skin to solve something that's being caused by something I'm eating, what's the chance that that's gonna work, right? It's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. Versus if I stop eating the thing, I don't need the topical anything, right? Because if I stop eating the thing, it will stop affecting my skin. Knowing that sugar does affect the, what is it, the beauty of your skin? The, yeah. Yeah. the, the health of the your health skin, of, actually. Thank the you, that's the right word. Skin. The health of your skin. Yeah. Because it affects your health. Right? Yeah. So obviously if it affects my health, then everything mm. my body's trying to create is gonna show up. I like when people have skin reactions, right? It's it's tangible. It's yeah, more right? obvious. Yeah. More people I, I do find that the rate of consistent adherence to eating properly is bigger when you can see the problem. Right? When it's an internal something like high blood pressure, when it's an internal, mm. like, oh, maybe I'm going to get diabetes in five years. Like when it's internal and you can't see it happening, I find that people are much less likely to be as yeah. quick and on it versus when you stop eating sugar and you see your skin clearing up, that's a like, ooh, yeah. okay. And it encourages you to keep going. And especially when you do it for a while and then you slip and see that, boom, like it's right yeah. there. Like I can't avoid seeing this. Yeah. 
it does help people. Yeah. If you have teens with acne, uh, we've seen a bunch of videos that like all are actually relating acne to sugar uh, sugar intake. So if you look at our two kids, they've done all the products and whatever, but like dependent on how their week of eating goes, we see it the following few days mm -hmm. on their face, and they've started to pick up on it. Yeah. Right, and I think it's part of the reason that both of them are like lighter on the snacks than they used to be, because I think both of them are realizing like, hmm, when I, when I eat those things, although they're not perfect, they still do it because yeah. they're kids, right? But like they, I, I see the little light bulb going off in their head that, you know, where I'm, I mean, how many days both of them skip dessert? Yeah. Both of them just like, yeah, no, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, totally, it's true. Yeah. You know, so I think it's I think it's a matter of helping if you do have teens, it's helping them to see it, just pointing it out, like, you know, those days that they don't and let them check their skin. You know, one of the things that I think that is a sign, but it's a sign that you by the time you get it, it you kind of feel like, damn, I wish I would have known sooner. By the time your doctor is saying, hey, you have high blood pressure. Hey, you're diabetic. Hey, you have PCOS. By the time your doctor is actually giving you a diagnosis, that's a humongous sign yeah. that your body is saying something, right? By that point, it's saying, oh my goodness, please help yeah. me. And it didn't happen overnight. That's and, the thing. <laughs> and it didn't happen, happen overnight. overnight. Like, now, we've become in the position, you know, where we realize... Well, I know I was definitely on the road to diabetes. You had already started your road of high blood pressure. Yeah. And it's like, we realized today that small changes that we made and small. See, to me, yeah. it's so weird how, to me today, this seems like such a small change. Like the, the fact that I can say clearly Violet doesn't eat sugar, um, processed sugar for sure. And like hardly eats sugar on her day. To me, that's such a small change for all the benefit that I'm getting out of this is like it's so like duh <laughs> why would anybody not do this maybe we consider this small because it's after the fact yeah maybe so, like, somebody that's like uh, uh, at the bottom of the hill to climb with uh, no sugar I can't like can do it like I can live without it and and but like yeah no, it's doable but can I point something out to you it's kind of like with your other car when you heard that rattling noise and then you open the back and whatever and you got it out and you're yeah. like, all I had to do was that. But mm -hmm. for months you drove the car yeah. with that noise <laughs> driving you nuts. And then when you actually mm -hmm. did it, what seemed insurmountable was all I had to do was that. Mm -hmm. It was a stupid little screw. Yeah. All I had to do was that, right? It took you what, two hours? Mm -hmm. Compared yeah. to months of driving the car driving and, and the car, every yeah. time coming home saying, oh my God, it's driving nuts, <laughs> right? So, I mean, yes, yeah. it's a small change. It was a small investment of two hours to solve a problem that was mm -hmm. driving you crazy for months it's a small investment and it's a, it seems so small once you've done it yeah. that you're going to be like why did i not do this before but the thing is to do it first right to get over that hump of i didn't do it yet because once you do that you're going to be happy that you did it right but you got to get over that hump actually do it so how is it that we can get this far into life with so many issues happening and everybody has the same story almost, right? That I was, yeah, I was a little sore and then it was a lot sore and then it was, I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, you know, like gaining weight slowly. Next thing you know, I look in the mirror and I'm 20 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, uh, you know, like everybody has this little bit of knowledge. And so the question is, how do we end up getting to the point where 
we're in a crisis before we solve? And interestingly enough, part of the answer is we are not informed about the addictive properties of sugar. Mm. And so, yeah, I know you guys are so tired of hearing me say about the, co the companies that and processed food, but can we just go back to grandparents' time? I'm going to give you a different story. When I was growing up, my grandmother had fat that she would keep around the stove to, to fry stuff. So not oil, canola oil, or vegetable oil. Fat, whether it be from some kind of meat that she had cooked or what, right? Whether it was from bacon or whatever. And you know what's weird? Like, it, it didn't spoil. It sat there. It got used because, and it got replenished because, right? Here's the question. Why did we turn away from this towards all this processed stuff? And it was so silly, but so obvious. You can't sell me pork drippings that I'm collecting myself. I'm mm. collecting it myself from the, mm. from the meat I'm buying from you. But you can sell me canola oil. You can sell me vegetable oil. And somehow they convinced us that the fat that we were collecting was not viable. Guess what I have beside my stove? Bacon fat. Mm. Right, because it is viable and it is reusable. And it, so there's a question mark that I have. It's like, why do we believe that our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents, that all the things that they did to stay healthy for some reason today are wrong? Anybody with a teenager, when you're talking to your teen and they're telling you, oh, mom, you're so stupid and you don't know and blah, blah, blah. And you're looking at them going, so everything I learned up until this point you're telling me is mute because you're a new generation. No. And you know what? We know it when they're saying it. Why are we looking back at our parents, our grandparents and acting like they don't know anything? We clearly see when our teenagers are making a mistake, yeah. right? They think they know and they don't know. Why is it that we're looking back and saying they don't know? Like, does that make sense to you? No, no. Yeah. Right? But we do it. Yeah. We do it repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. It's not logical. Wellness warriors, we need to understand that there are certain things that just are. Your body functions a certain way. Because sugar yeah. behaves in the body a certain yeah. way. There's no getting around mm. that. Right? The same way that arsenic behaves in the body a certain way. And I couldn't say, well, I'm violet. I'm going to drink this bottle of arsenic and I'll see you tomorrow. Hmm. You would not be seeing me tomorrow. <laughs> and it's the same thing for sugar. It behaves a certain way. It's the same thing yeah. for ketones. They behave a certain way. And if we want to be healthy, we need to understand the difference of these two fuel sources because sugar does have a role to play in our healthy body. It has a role to play. It's not the only player. Wellness warriors, we need to understand that difference. What, what's strange and funny at the same time about this is that with all the data we collect, we gather, we know each generation actually reacts a little bit differently to the amount of sugar. Like maybe 80 years ago, we were not having the same amount of sugar. We were adding carbs, of course. There were, there were potatoes, like some of you like told us in the comments. And yeah, you're right. But the processed food, the added sugar, our generation of kids have never been so, so overweight than the ones before. We need to listen to our bodies, actually. I think we need to 
So, you know, what I think you're pointing out there that's so important is every generation had carbohydrates going back to, like going back, going back very far. But here's what's interesting. What was the proportion of carbohydrates to the proportion of meat? Hmm. And what's, I remember there being a study that showed that the plate sizes that we have today compared to the plate sizes Hmm. that we had back then, like they're three times the size today. Take into consideration the amount of meat that we were eating hasn't in, in like enlarged that much. Mm. It's the amount of carbs that we're putting beside yeah. it. So it's like one of the things that I think is important what you just said. If I go back to my childhood, so babyhood, and then I go back to my mother's babyhood, and then you go back to my grandmother's babyhood, what do you think is the difference there? Was there formula to feed my grandmother? Right? Like we feed our babies formula that's made up mostly of sugar and then our babies are two things overweight and addicted to carbohydrates out the gate again my daughter breastfed and guess what hated sugar in the beginning still wish i would listen to her hated sugar in the beginning avoided it like the plague right and we need to understand that piece of information that if you're starting your kid on formula, then how are you expecting the kid not to chase carbohydrates? But this is part of the problem, mm-hmm. is that we still act as if carbohydrates are the healthy thing that we're supposed to be eating mostly, and it's not reality, right? It's not the thing we should mostly be eating. Back in the day, it was steak and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Not potatoes and steak, it was steak, steak and, and potatoes. <laughs> Like, I think we need to listen to the language of how our ancestors were talking, right? When you would ask what was for supper, you would hear pork, you would hear chicken, you would hear steak. Today, when I ask what's for supper, I hear rice, I hear pasta, I hear, right? Why am I hearing the side Mm -hmm. as if it's the main? Because honestly, in my household, the side turned into the main. If the side is the main, what do you think is going to happen to your health? And there are financial reasons, I'm sure, for those some of these changes, right? You're a nation with a population that's passing a million, passing two million. Pa- you got to feed all these people, and I totally get that. But so feed them poorly and then invest heavily in the medical system, or feed them well and the money you save on the medical system can go somewhere else. <laughs> like this is the question that we need to start asking ourselves, right? because I think we're not asking that question enough. Like the money's gonna go somewhere. I would rather spend my money on food than on medication. As a matter of fact, even when I'm prescribed medication, I don't take it. You guys know my story. And the, for those of that you do that don't, watch my last video. <laughs> we don't have time to go into this today. But I've often been prescribed medications that could have harmed me slash terminated my life had I not listened to my body. Well, okay, actually, maybe I should talk about it because listening to my body stopped me from poisoning myself with iron, right? Because when I took the medication and I had a negative reaction, I went to the doctor and the doctor said, nope, that's impossible, keep taking the medication. And then I took the medication the second time and my leg went numb and I went back to the doctor and was told, hey, you know, that's happened some... And then in my distraught state, forgot to take the medication and my leg came back and then realize, is it possible? And didn't take the medication anymore. My leg was fine. 
only to find out years later that taking iron pills was the opposite of what was healthy for me with my condition of thalassemia. We need to understand that our body does talk to us. We need to understand that we, as an individual, do not understand how this complex thing that we walk around in and that sometimes what we have to do is pay the money to get all the tests done, to get that scraping of the surface of the minuscule amount that we actually can understand about our body because trust me, we don't get it all. The best of the best doctors do not truly, truly understand this complex vessel that we all walk through the world in. But that scraping to understand that maybe I'll know what I should be doing to help myself. And I'm so happy that I listened to my body. Mm -hmm what worse situation I might have ended up in if I would have just taken that medication. Oh, okay, my leg is going to be numb. Right? Like, where could I have ended up? You might not be talking to me right now. <laughs> like, that's a scary <laughs> thought, but that's a true, that's a reality, right? You might actually not be talking to me right now. So just like Val showed, like, we need to listen to our body. Yesterday, I watched a video um, where we were asked to do a mindfulness exercise that was very, like, simple. Just close your eyes, sit back, relax, and, and listen to, like, feel every part of your body, like, from the inside, like your neck, your shoulders, your arms, your stomach, uh, your legs, and, and check, basically, if everything is okay. Do, like, a little system check if you, if you, if you want to. Make sure everything is okay. And, if and to is find wrong, and to find the pieces that are not okay, yeah. which was the important piece of the puzzle, yeah. it was finding where there was pain. Because finding what may be wrong may give you hints about how to fix it. So if it's a, a joint pain, maybe you have inflammation. If you have something around your uh, your stomach, maybe it's a gastro. Um, what else could it be? Like I know lately, like uh, I've had like gout attacks. So it gives you another like uh, hint that like something might be wrong or an imbalance in your food or maybe you had too much carbs or so okay. so you really have to and it could be emotional it could be emotional too yeah of course yeah it's true I, I love that because i do feel like like mindfulness meditations and and interventions do exactly what you just said it points you in a direction your body is always talking mm -hmm you yeah and thank you for, for reminding me about that because i do think that this is something that you all can do it takes two seconds to sit quietly and just allow yourself to feel everything and you know one of the examples i like to give people when we're talking about like how do you truly do mindfulness and everybody right now i want you to notice that if you're sitting you can feel whatever you're sitting on if you're standing you can feel your foot on whatever it is, whether it's on your shoes, on the floor, on your socks, you can feel it. When we do that level of introspection and really let ourselves feel what's happening internally, you find stuff, right? You find stuff. And I remember so many different times that when I do my little introspections, I find stuff and it's like, okay, work on that. So again, one of the reasons I love going to the chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's always a little something to fix. Thank you for watching Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet, Patch Hat Edition. We love making these videos for you guys. Teespring, Patreon, in the description below. Talk to you guys again next week. See you next week.